Welcome to Advanced Practice Providers Bridging Gaps Overseas. Before we get started, I want to bridge some gaps that we might be having, being that this is a virtual conference and not face-to-face. -face. In an ideal world, we would all be in a room together, we would have breakout sessions, we would be able to talk in interest groups, but since that is not going to happen for the virtual conference, I want to encourage you to use the chat box and take advantage of the networking tools offered through GMHC. This is to be an interactive presentation, and we want to hear from you, your questions, your comments, as well as your expertise and your thoughts behind some of these things that will be posed today. So let's practice, let's get started. We all know that a bridge allows us to get from point A to point B, often over some sort of obstacle. So I want you to think about the title of this presentation and what are some of those gaps that you think advanced practice providers are able to bridge, especially in the developing world overseas. While you start doing that, I want to say that I have no disclosures or conflicts of interest. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. I am going to remain anonymous simply because of where I work, but I will share a bit of my story. I'm sharing this because I'm hoping it will encourage you in your journey as you also are being directed down a path that God has for you. I have been following Jesus from a young age. I was almost four when I accepted him as my personal savior repented of my sins and have been following him ever since. Along my journey, I was exposed to a lot of people that work in the world of missions. I met doctors, I met teachers, I met pastors, I met seminary professors, but I was fascinated to hear that people in the world have never even heard the name of Jesus, that there are people that do not have the Bible in their own language and there are people that are going to hell because they have not had the opportunity to hear the gospel. So from about the age of six, I always had it in my mind that it would be a privilege to go overseas and to be able to take the gospel to places that had never heard about Jesus. About the same time, I was also fascinated with how the human body works, medicine, diseases, and I enjoyed reading my mom's nursing textbooks and exploring health and healthcare. When I was choosing a career in high school, it made perfect sense to bridge the two. I could go into developing countries as a healthcare provider, and I could also take the gospel there at the same time. I thought it would be interesting, it would be cool to be a doctor, but as I explored that option, I realized I just didn't want to give up 10, 12, or more years of my social life. I also value my sleep too much that a residency would allow for. And overall, I just decided that wasn't a good fit for me. So I started to shadow other healthcare professionals. I shadowed nurses, physical therapists, speech therapists, and I learned about advanced practice providers by shadowing a nurse midwife, a physician assistant, and a nurse practitioner. 
I had never heard of these professions before, and I was fascinated with the idea of a PA. I love that they could work with doctors, they functioned in similar roles, and yet they didn't have all the years of school and didn't lose quite as much sleep. So I decided that that was a perfect career for me. I explored schools in my area, I applied, I was accepted, and I was ready to go. I had my next five years planned out. I was going for a five-year master's program, I was going to become a PA, I was going to get some experience, and then I was going to see where God would send me. That night in the spring of 2002, my senior year of high school, I was sitting at my desk and I had to sign and send off the acceptance letter saying I would be a PA student in the next fall class. And I could not shake a feeling of discontentment or lack of peace in my heart. And if you get nothing out of this presentation, I hope you will take this away from this presentation, is that when you do not have peace about something, explore that. Ask the Lord why. Because he may be using it to convict you of sin, to convict you to do something that might be hard to do, or perhaps he's using that unsettled feeling to redirect your path to a better way. For me, I could not shake the idea that to go to PA school, I would go deeply into debt. Now, certainly not as much debt as I would if I was going to medical school, but it was still a significant amount compared to going to a local college, commuting, saving money, and getting my BSN. And from having a BSN, I would still be able to go back and get my master's as a PA, and I could work maybe a few years in between and really limit the amount of debt. And in the end, I felt that's what the Lord was asking me to do, to try to stay out of debt as much as possible. I also believe the Lord has designed each of us in very specific ways and has given us different personalities and different ways that we can serve him. And when I started clinicals in nursing school, I still had the idea that I would go and get my master's as a PA. But when I learned about the nursing model, the holistic perspective of nursing, the community health components, the psychosocial aspect, I realized that I was much more cut out to follow a nursing model versus the medical model that PAs are trained under. And I realized that this was simply God's way of directing me down his path for my life. Everyone's path is going to look differently, but for me, it was the line of nurse practitioner instead of PA. So I graduated nursing school. I worked for a year and then I started my NP program. Throughout my NP program, I worked full-time and I took my program at a part-time level. So it took me four years to get my master's degree. And in that time, I was diversifying my training because I knew that I would be going overseas at some point and I would need multiple skills And so I started to learn about different things. I went to conferences that might not have been my top interest group, and I really tried to learn as much as I could. I graduated with my NP in 2011, my FNP, Family Nurse Practitioner. I I got certified. I got licensed. I worked for a year in the hospital where I was already working, and then I went overseas. I have always had a heart for the Muslim world. I think I'm drawn to that 
because of what I shared before about wanting to bridge medicine and spiritual things together. And in the Islamic world, especially in Islamic countries, most people cannot go in as a missionary, as a pastor, as a Bible teacher. But there are many health needs, especially in those developing countries, that you can go in as a healthcare provider, bridge that gap for a visa, and also be able to use medicine to share the gospel. And that's what I have been doing in North Africa since 2013. I work in a small private clinic in a poor part of the capital city. The majority of our patients come from the neighborhood of the clinic, or they come from far and wide because they have heard from their families and friends who live in that area that we offer excellent medical care. Now, our care is not top quality. If you compared us to the Mayo Clinic, it would be probably pretty scary because of the environment in which we are in. The people that we see do not have running water in their homes. The majority of them do not have hot water or even a good way to heat up water. So we see a lot of hygienic issues. We see a lot of uncontrolled diabetes and hypertension. And a lot of that is due to lifestyle, to culture, but also resources. Many of these people are living day by day and do not have access to the finances they need to properly care for chronic diseases. So it has been a learning journey for myself. And I have talked to many nurse practitioners, physician assistants, nurse midwives, and other advanced practice providers who have worked overseas. And all of us have said the same thing. The training you get in the state is good and you should have a couple years of experience at least before you go overseas. But your biggest growing curve is going to be learning the culture, learning the medical culture in the country where you're living, and then learning how to apply that in a safe and a holistic perspective. So I hope that you will come along with me on this journey as we explore this a little deeper and you will be encouraged by some of the stories that God is doing with advanced practice providers overseas. So the objectives of this presentation are to identify ways advanced practice providers can improve global healthcare, to discuss advantages to utilizing advanced practice providers in low middle income countries, to describe barriers and challenges to advanced practice providers practicing overseas, and to understand potential solutions to improve the implementation of advanced practice providers. So what is the problem? Well, there is a growing global healthcare crisis, which is due to a significant shortage of healthcare personnel and an increase in life expectancy, disease prevalence, and morbidity, which is further complicated by physician trends away from primary care and towards specializations and healthcare workers concentrating in urban areas. The World Health Organization estimates that 1 billion people worldwide do not have access to healthcare. There is a proximate shortage of over 4 million healthcare personnel to care for the world population. In 2023, we anticipate that this shortage is going to be 13 million or more healthcare personnel that's missing. So we have people in hard to reach access areas and we have 
physicians and healthcare providers who are going away from primary care and general care and going into highly specialized careers in urban areas, which leaves those interior, those rural areas without healthcare. So how do you think advanced practice providers can improve global healthcare? And when I ask questions, please pop things into the chat box. We would love to interact with you throughout this presentation. So how do you think we can do this? And I say we as advanced practice providers. So let's start with who are we? Who are advanced practice providers or APPs? Well, according to the World Health Organization, they are someone who are trained, authorized, and regulated to work autonomously. An APP has received pre-service training at a higher education institute for at least two to three years and whose scope of practice includes but isn't limited to being able to diagnose, manage, and treat illness, disease, and impairments, including performing surgery where they're properly trained, as well as prescribing medications and engaging in preventative and promotive care. So let's look a little bit at APP history. Nurse anesthetists have been around for around 150 years. They were credentialed in the 1950s. They are the primary providers of anesthesia in the United States rural areas, as well as the US military. Nurse midwives, we know midwifery has been around since the beginning of time, but the nurse midwife model here in the US was taken from a British model where they were training community health nurses to also have experience in midwifery. And the idea behind combining these two was to send nurses who also had midwifery training into the mountains of the Appalachia and to be able to reach people that otherwise didn't have a lot of health care access. Nurse practitioners and physician assistants have had their programs and certifications have had a similar journey. The first school for both of these programs was started in 1965. The programs were designed to help with the physician shortage and to be able to provide people and providers to help fill in the healthcare needs in the US. In the 1970s, both PAs and NPs started to be more widely recognized, regulated, and credentialed and have continued to evolve as a profession or professions. So now we're in 2020 and I wanna know who are you? Are you an APP? Are you a physician? Do you have a different advanced practice nursing degree or another advanced practice degree? Tell us who you are, where you serve, where you want to serve, what your specialty is. Let us get an idea of who you are and to network together. As you do this, it's probably good to take a look at our situation. We should always do some problem solving before we drive, especially if we're in a situation like this vehicle. I just wanted to share a few obstacles that we might encounter as we continue this presentation. Number one is that statistics and research has been mostly done in high income countries in the developed world. In the low middle income countries, the developing countries, we are not seeing a lot of research and data, and the research that has been done is of a lower quality. However, I want to encourage you that we can help solve that problem. 
by doing research in, in our developing countries where we're working, by publishing those, and hopefully seeing a reflection of that in the research. I would also like to thank the other APPs who have helped contribute to this presentation. I have talked to many other providers who work across the globe, who have shared their stories, who have given advice, and who are hopefully helping speak into your lives through this presentation. So let's look at how APPs can bridge the gap of the global healthcare discrepancies that we see. Well, a big thing that the World Health Organization and other global organizations have seen is that advanced practice providers, if trained appropriately, they are able to practice in their full scope of practice if they avoid the underuse of skills. We can see the healthcare needs, especially in the unreached communities, really be eliminated and decreased. There's a clinic in West Africa that is run by nurses as well as advanced practice providers. They have people come from all around them because it's difficult to get into the cities and to the larger hospitals. These providers see anything from your basic hypertension and chronic disease management to emergencies such as machete accidents or perhaps not accidents as well as malaria and other diseases that are life-threatening. They are able to practice at their full scope and help minimize the need to transfer patients to the hospital or be able to stabilize people before going to the hospital. So APPs can play a huge role in the global healthcare discrepancies. We can bridge the gap in crisis situations. We can do that by lowering costs. I've already mentioned the issue of debt and finances in school and education. APPs, schooling is less, therefore the cost is less than a physician and going into a fellowship and specializations. The cost for paying a provider is less, salaries are less, and it's lower expenses to relocate them, especially to difficult access areas. We can also bridge the gap for provider retainment. Nurses have been known to be adaptable and successful and vulnerable in hard to access locations. In many, if not all developing countries, out in the interior, away from the urban areas, if there are health clinics or health posts, most of the time those are run by nurses. And those nurses are known to stay there to develop relationships. So how much more effective could we be if we sent out APPs with better training to be able to help train these nurses and work alongside of them and provide care in these hard to reach communities? APPs also bridge the gap with quality care. I often have heard people talk about nurse practitioners or PAs and saying, well, I didn't think I needed to see the real doctor today, or ah, I'm sure they're good at what they do, but I would rather see the doctor. And I think a lot of that is because people don't understand the profession and they wonder if the care is the same. But statistics across the board show that nurse practitioners, physician assistants, nurse midwives, nurse anesthetists, advanced practice providers give the same amount of care as general practice doctors. 
if they've had the proper training and education. There's no significant difference between their outcomes, whether they're working as a team or they're working independently. There's an overall improved quality of care with APPs, which include a higher patient satisfaction rate, higher treatment compliance, as well as less planned hospital admissions and lower death rates at 12-month follow-ups. So not only can we give quality care, but we are doing that, and there is statistics to prove that. So we can bridge that gap. Nurse midwives, as well as midwifery, well-trained midwives, would be able to take 87% of essential prenatal and sex health care of the world, leaving 13% for specialists and physicians to care. So again, bridging that huge gap in the healthcare discrepancy. So if APPs are such a good option for the healthcare crisis, why aren't we sending them? Why aren't we seeing these gaps bridged? Well, let's look at some of those challenges and barriers that might prevent those gaps from closing. First of all, role clarity and title inconsistencies. This is a problem anytime you leave your country. Here in the US, I'm known as a family nurse practitioner. Physician assistants are known as well as nurse midwives. When you go into other countries, either the title is different, such as a technician or a paramedic or assistant medical officer, clinical associate, but the roles are also different. The training is different. There is not a lot of consistency across the board. When I went to language school and I was introducing myself in my French class and I, I said, je suis infirmière practicienne, and they looked at me and they said, you're a what? I'm like, I'm a nurse practitioner because I had looked it up in French. I knew that's what it was called. What I didn't know is that a nurse practitioner is recognized in Quebec, Canada, but in the French system, they don't have the same equivalent. And so I then had to go back to my title and I said, well, I'm a nurse. Oh, you're a nurse. Oh, we understand. That is true in many countries. In my country, nurses are trained to diagnose and treat. They're trained very differently than I have been trained, but they do function in a role as a nurse practitioner without the same training. So there's a lot of these inconsistencies and it, that leads to another problem, is a problem with legislation, policies and regulations. Either they're non-existent or they're extremely restrictive and it's difficult to practice outside of your country. I've talked to many PAs who have really struggled with this because if they do not have a nursing background and a nursing title, they will come in and there may be similar equivalents in that country, but they as a PA from the US are not recognized. And so often they find themselves in administrative roles or finding other ways to jump through the hoops, such as working under a physician or working with other local providers. So there are ways around it, but they are challenging. So how do we bridge these gaps? Well, it has been proposed to have some sort of international recognition so that providers can go across countries because there are countries and other countries in the world who have established programs. Um, and there are even some in developing countries that could send providers across borders to neighboring countries, but without this regulation, it makes it very challenging. There's also a gap in education. 
What have you seen in your experience that has been a big gap in education? In many countries in West Africa and North Africa, we have a lot of Islamic influence. And if you know anything about the world of Islam, they memorize. They memorize the Quran. They memorize prayers. Well, they also memorize in school. They're phenomenal memorizers. You can tell them something one time and they will remember it. And that is how many of them are trained, especially at a nursing level. So we have nurses that are trained by rote memory, as well as by protocol. So this for me is a big problem, is that there is not the critical thinking. So somebody may come in with a fever and they give them paracetamol, which is an acetaminophen equivalent, and that is a great choice to lower a fever, but there's no thought to why this child might have a high fever or why somebody has had a continuing fever. So we see uh, some struggles with lack of critical thinking. Um, there's also a problem with education access. Sometimes people have very little training and then go out and are the primary care providers in these remote clinics. There's also limited staff or specialized training. And most of the APP programs are established in high-income countries. There are over 50 countries that have APP programs, but those that are in low-middle-income countries still lack structure and need some standardization. So I think to fix this problem is to bridge the gaps through education. So how do you think we can do this? Well, the thing I have learned is, first of all, we have to be a learner ourselves. Yes, we're coming in with great training and great experience, but sometimes that experience we have in a Western society, Western training, does not prepare us for the developing world and the challenges and the lack of resources there. I love a story that an NP who works in West Africa shared with me. They had a little patient that came in who had second and third degree burns all over the body. And as they were cleaning and they were dressing their burns, there was an area on the baby's neck, the child's neck, where there's a lot of neck folds and movement. It was very challenging and a significant burn. And they were not sure how in the world they were going to be able to dress this area and protect it. And of course, in a tropical environment such as West Africa, you have to be very careful with flies and um, just the dirt and the hygiene aspect of just living in that environment. So as they were dressing these wounds, the local nurses said, could we try a local treatment? And the nurse practitioner asked them about it. They explained the treatment and the treatment involved using neem leaves, which do have antimicrobial properties to them uh, that has been known in scientific research. But the way they were doing it sounded a little sketchy. However, the NP didn't know what else to do with this neck wound. So she said, yes, go ahead. If we can keep it clean, um, if we can keep it as sterile as possible, yes, go ahead and try it. So on the other burns and wounds on the rest of the body, they dressed them with bandages. And then on the neck, they used this local paste, um, however they did it. And they put it on that neck and they changed it every few days. And that child healed well. And that area on the neck healed better than the Western treated burns and wounds. So sometimes we can learn from their local treatments. 
And sometimes their resources that have been used for thousands of years are God-given resources that we can learn to use in those environments as well. We also need to understand the medical culture where we're going before we can make a difference. We need to build a camaraderie with the locals. We need to be humble learners and also humble teachers. We also need to emphasize a broad and generalized training for these advanced practice providers because as they go into the unreached areas, they're going to be the primary provider for just about any possible situation. And our last barrier is physician resistance. And I've also included and competition among the local providers as well as other APPs. We all know that uh, there is competition in healthcare, but as followers of Jesus, we're called to live peaceably with men, however we are able to do that on our own strength and with the Lord's help. So I want to encourage you, if you're a physician, if you are a nurse practitioner, if you're a PA or another advanced practice nurse, examine your hearts and see how you can help reduce the composition, competition and resistance in your environment. We can do that through bridging the gaps with humility, advocacy, and collaboration. We come in from the Western world and often we're looked at as people with amazing training. But in the end, they don't want us to come in and be their savior. They want us to work alongside of them and encourage and help them. So how can we encourage others? We also need to see good physician and APP relationships. This is not about a competition who's better. Statistics show that we both provide good care, both APPs and physicians. And so let's work together. Let's learn from one another and let's bridge those gaps. I've already shared that research is desperately needed in low middle income countries. What are you doing in your area of the world? What can you publish and share with others so that we can learn for you? And lastly, we can bridge gaps through quality medical care. And those gaps are the spiritual gaps. I already shared that I use my medical skills in this Islamic country. I'm able to bridge the gaps of a visa by coming in as a healthcare provider in a country that desperately needs medical providers. And then once I'm established and as I have been building relationships, I have been able to use opportunities to then share my faith, my testimony with others. I went in thinking that I was going to pray with patients and lead them to the Lord and we're gonna have this great patient provider relationship. And yes, the Lord has allowed me to build rapport with my patients. But what I was surprised about is my opportunities to share the gospel has been working alongside of my staff, being able to share with them my love for my patients, my love for them. And through that love, they have been able to see that there is something different about me. We have people that come from all over the country from the interior that come to our little tiny clinic in the middle of a poor part in town. And I asked my staff once why we have people coming from so far away with significant medical problems that we probably cannot treat or that are untreatable. Um, and they have told me 
that we have a reputation of listening to our patients. Now, some of that might be my nursing background. Some of that might be the training in the U.S. where we're encouraged to listen to patients and that patients have a voice where there they simply follow whatever the physician or provider tells them to do without questioning. But I think most importantly, it is being able to listen and to hear their story. Our clinic has a reputation of having dermatology. Well, yes, we treat a lot of dermatological issues, but I'm the most advanced provider there. Um, and I am a family nurse practitioner. I don't have a lot of experience in dermatology except what I got overseas. But one of the things I have learned is that by learning their culture and understanding that bathing is a challenge, it's not something people do on a regular basis. And don't worry, that is not something I adapted in my own life. I'm thankful that I do have water access and I can take showers daily. Um, but a lot of my patients can't or they, they, they don't because they are saving the water for other family members. So being able to work in that culture, to listen, to find out what they're able to do, and then also teaching them and just sharing that holistic perspective, I think is a huge start to bridging those spiritual gaps. And by bridging those gaps, we are going to be able to build the kingdom in areas of the world that have not yet heard about Jesus and his good news. How exciting is that, that we can bridge those gaps? People will see a difference. I love hearing story after story of advanced practice providers and other healthcare professionals having the reputation of praying with their patients. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard in preparing this presentation of people coming and saying, will you pray in the name of Jesus for my baby? One day a friend called me and she was very upset. She was crying. She had a little baby who was under a year old. She had missed some of her birth control pills. She had slept with her husband and she was afraid she was pregnant. So she looked on the internet to see how she could help fix this problem and prevent a pregnancy or get rid of a pregnancy. And so as her friend, not as a nurse practitioner, I went to her house. I sat with her. I listened to her. And then I encouraged her and I prayed with her. I shared with her of how valuable her life is and any unborn life is to our creator. Thankfully, I was able to talk her out of doing anything dangerous and terminating the pregnancy, which did not even exist in the end. She was not pregnant. But that time that I spent with her showed her how much I cared for her. So since then, I have received calls from her in times of anxiety saying, would you pray with me? in the name of Jesus. This is a Muslim friend, someone who's very devout in her faith, but she has seen a difference in the power of prayer. What challenge is God asking you to take up? Where is he asking you to go? He has called me into the deserts of North Africa, and we have thorns like these. These are over an inch long, but just like God has allowed camels to have a tough tissue in their mouth to be able to strip the leaves off of these thorns without injuring themselves. God is preparing us as well with the tools we need to go and to do what he has called us to do. Never underestimate the power of God and the Holy Spirit. 
There are times in my clinic that I have a patient come in and I look at them and I go, oh my, what are we going to do today? What am I going to do with this information? How can I help this patient? And I often have no idea what it is, how to treat it. And I pray and an idea will pop into my mind and I will research that. I will look it up and it is almost always exactly the diagnosis, exactly the treatment we needed, or exactly the next step we needed to take. So the Holy Spirit is with you if you are a follower of Jesus. You are not going in to a bunch of thorns unprepared. He will be with you. But let's get practical. What does that look like? I know many of you have come to the session with questions and while I would have liked to do breakout sessions and had others answering your questions, let's take advantage of what we do have in the chat box. I have talked to many people and have asked, what can people do to prepare? So let's look at how we can bridge gaps through preparation. Have a kingdom focus. You are not automatically be going to become a spiritual person when you go overseas. Just because you have the title of a missionary or a follower of Jesus does not mean you automatically have a missional perspective. So be missional now in your practice. Start using opportunities God gives you now to share the gospel and to bridge spiritual and medical gaps and bring them together. Hold your title loosely. Be prepared to be humbled. And remember that your identity should be in Jesus and not in your healthcare profession. Diversify your experience. Get some experience. Many of us have recommended two years at minimum. For those going into advanced practice nursing, if you already have experience as a nurse, you may not need a lot of experience after your advanced practice degree. But diversify the experience that you are getting. Learn to read ultrasounds. Learn to look at x-rays. Talk to experts. Go shadow somebody in a different field. Do things to diversify what you know. Ask questions, explore, learn. Go to conferences and seminars such as this one. Meet others that are doing what you hope to do one day and get used to being uncomfortable. Go to areas that are not your expertise. Go do things that are a bit challenging. Go to underserved communities such as reservations in the U.S. Go on short-term trips, but do things that are going to help you be prepared to be uncomfortable on a daily basis overseas. So are you on board? Are you ready to go? What other questions do you have? What else would be valuable to share with others? I have a few specific questions that I have been asked and others have asked, and so I want to share with you a little bit about that perspective. First of all, PA versus NP. As I've already shared, we are trained a little differently. PAs are trained by physicians. They follow the medical model and are often trained right alongside of medical students. NPs have a working background as a nurse prior to going back to school, and that is built on in NP nurse midwife programs um, and other APN programs. In developing countries, we've already talked about the issue of title. PAs have notoriously struggled 
with finding a place and often end up in administrative roles and teaching roles and not being able to do hands-on practice because of those title and legislation issues. On the other hand, nurse practitioners can still function in most countries as a nurse. Uh, there might be regulations and licensure things to deal with, but even though my title as a nurse practitioner is not recognized in my country, nurses function at a much higher independent level there than they do in the States. Now, sometimes that is a scary thing, but with my training, I can still function as an NP with the title of a nurse. So that is something to consider if you're trying to decide between the two. And I would love for PAs to speak into this. I spoke to one PA and she said, if I could do it differently, I would not trade being a PA, but I would get some background at being a nurse, whether it's getting a BSN first and then get my master's or even get an associate's degree as a nurse so that I would have that title when I went overseas. Then maybe you're an RN trying to decide, do I go back for additional training? Well, honestly, all of these answers are really between you and God. But from a practical standpoint, I have met many nurses who have had experience in the States, who have gone overseas and gotten experience as nurses overseas and have come back to get a master's degree and additional training so that they could be better equipped to work at the full scope of practice that they were having to do overseas. So that is just a tip that I have heard and it does help to have additional information, whether that is just doing continuing education and staying up on your credentials or even going back and getting an advanced practice degree. For those of you that are in more specialty provider roles, nurse midwives, nurse anesthetists, I encourage you to get experience in those high risk areas. Perhaps it is not normally in your scope of practice, or it's just there's things that usually the physicians take care of in the states. Go along to those high risk deliveries, scrub in on cesareans, go to anesthesiologists and learn additional skills, hone in on those high risk skills, because chances are when you're overseas, it's gonna be you. The buck will stop at you. And so having some experience in those things are going to be a significant help to you in the future. And I encourage all of you, regardless of what your skill set is, whatever your training is, to continue to be a lifelong learner. Whether it's of medicine, a culture, of language, learning is a lifelong journey. So embrace it, get on your donkey, and get ready to go. Some of us have already gone and we have faced struggles. Probably many of you have stories similar to the stories I've shared. What can we learn from one another? What have you found helpful? What resources can you share with others? We're always having to keep up our license, our continuing education. Conferences such as this one are fantastic, but sometimes we can't get to them physically. Um, and sometimes they're not always virtual like this year. So what have you learned that can be a tool for other people? When we're on the field, we need encouragement. And so I wanna encourage you, thank you for what you have done with your life, with your career, and for choosing to take the hard road. 
for choosing to follow God's call on your life. And I hope that we will be able to come together, even through this session, to encourage one another. So what about you? What gaps is God asking you to bridge? What healthcare discrepancy can you help fix? Are you being called to go? Are you being asked to train to go? Are you being told to do short-term or long-term trips? Maybe you can recruit, or perhaps you can send others. What education gaps are you to bridge in your own life? Who are you to be teaching and to training and encourage? Where in your life is there pride that you need to let go and humble yourself? And how are you to be building the kingdom around you? We are all on different paths, but our journeys are similar. We are building the kingdom through healthcare. Be encouraged. God is doing a good work through us, through his faithful followers. He does not need your skills. He does not need your talents. And he certainly does not need your gifts. But he has given them to you because he wants them. He wants to break you, humble you, and use you in impossible ways. Never forget that nothing is impossible when we are serving the God of the impossible.